Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Republican candidate for governor of New York, Lee Zeldin, was attacked yesterday during a campaign rally. Thankfully, the attacker was quickly subdued. Zeldin was unharmed. But to absolutely nobody's surprise, the man responsible was released from custody within hours of the attack. I'll have more on that in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We're always being told that political violence comes from the right. And the Democrats live in this constant fear of all the violence from their political opponents and the people that disagree with them. But then when we actually see who the violence targets, Brett Kavanaugh, for example, conservative member of the Supreme Court, and now Lee Zeldin. Here is video of Lee Zeldin making a standard campaign speech. He was actually talking about bail reform and what a disaster it has been for this state of New York. Here is video of this assault on the stage. Only, there's only one option. Look, 
This is completely unacceptable. Now, initially, people were reporting on this as an assassination attempt. I don't think that that is accurate as to what happened here. It is an assault against a sitting member of Congress. It is a crime. It is a felony, and it's one that should be punished. Now, the, one of the changes in the severity of this uh, as, a, as a criminal matter, initially it was reported he had some kind of knife on him. Here we can actually show you the weapon he had in his hand. Now, this is, believe it or not, a self-defense weapon. It's like a cat ears uh, keychain ring, and the pointy part of it is used. You're supposed to put your fingers through those holes and then essentially use it to, to punch, to strike somebody with. It's a little bit like brass knuckles, somewhat similar to a brass knuckle situation, although only on two knuckles. So it is a weapon, and it is meant to hurt people, and this guy did have it on his hand when, as you see here, he is grabbing Lee Zeldin. And remember, this Lee Zeldin, this guy's a veteran, he's got a wife and kids, a family man, he's, he's just trying to be a, a patriot, trying to save his state from the just destruction of it by these idiot Democrats like Kathy Hochul. And this is what he gets for his trouble, some lunatic wrestling him to the ground and, and trying to uh, attack him. I mean, the whole thing is, is absurd. Um, Lee Zeldin tweeted shortly after the attack, his words as he tried to stab me a few hours ago were, you're done, but several attendees quickly jumped into action and tackled the guy. Law enforcement was on the scene within minutes. The attacker will likely, likely be instantly released under New York's laws. Um, by the way, he was. And this, this, is, this is the part of it that has a policy matter, because I know what the libs are going to say. Oh, do we even know if this guy's a leftist or a lib? And, you know, he's drunk, he's crazy, not representative of anything. Certainly not an issue of whether or not Kathy Hochul was putting out rhetoric that was a bit inflammatory, alongside with the schedule for Lee Zeldin. Hey, this guy's a danger to our democracy and doesn't care if kids die from gun violence. Here's where he's going to be tomorrow. That's not really the kind of thing that you would uh, expect in a honorable political climate, political race. Um, but let's focus on the crime issue for a second, rather the criminal justice component of this. Lee Zeldin's attacker was charged with a felony. Uh, I mean, they're saying alleged attacker, that's a legal technicality, it's on video, the guy attacked him. Immediately released though, just as the congressman predicted. So Lee Zeldin, right after, the, right after being attacked, he's talking about bail reform laws and how destructive they are. Right? Because it means that a judge can't say, hold on a second, we're, we're going to hold this guy. This person needs to spend a few days in, in jail. They're a danger to the public right now. There's a, there's, you know, there's a lot of heat around the issue. We're concerned about repeat offending. Let's see where we are here and, and have them be held for a few days. Right? So what, what's happened now is that that has been largely taken out of the hands of judges for a whole range of things. But also just the whole criminal justice system is tilted toward letting people go. You commit a crime, you get, you get processed, you get let go. And then they go, by the way, before a judge for the trial, and they're going to get a light sentence because this is, the way, this is the way the libs have changed the whole process. So Zeldin is talking about bail reform, is assaulted by a guy, makes a comment about how, I bet that guy who just assaulted me is going to be out within a couple of hours, and he was out within a couple of hours. So it's a really a perfect encapsulation of just another one of these moronic criminal justice leftist decisions that are out there. I mean, the, the way that they have been shaping and changing our, our whole criminal justice process is atrocious. 
And we see this all over the place. I mean, here, New York City, for example, major crimes, auto theft. Year over year, this is not stretching back for a, a, you know, a, a period of, of many years here. This happened rapidly. 46% auto theft, 49% grand larceny, 11% up in rapes, 18% up, up in uh, felony assault, burglary. Now, they're saying that murders by gun or shootings uh, are down, I think, every year in New York City, like 5%. So pretty much at the same number. I mean, it might, it likely will catch up to. And last year was a very high year, stretching back for the last decade in New York City. So the criminal justice system being changed in ways that suit the fashions and whims of Democrats was a bad thing. They were wrong. We see this in New York City. We see this all over the country. Starbucks, for example, closing its 16 stores in four states in D.C., the states it's closing them in, actually the cities it's closing them in, specifically Portland, Los Angeles, Democrat, uh, San Francisco, Democrat strongholds, Washington, D.C., all very, very blue. And is this surprising to anybody? By the way, more closures are coming. We'll talk about that in a second. But what happened? Starbucks got worried it wasn't woke enough because a couple of guys who were black were asked why they weren't purchasing anything but sitting down in a Starbucks in Philadelphia a few years ago. So then as a, just a knee-jerk reaction, Starbucks says, you can now use our bathrooms, you can use our restaurant, you can sit down in a Starbucks, not buy anything. That's our new policy. Well, now you've just turned your coffee shops into homeless shelters. Congratulations. And people don't actually want to be around that. And more to the point, it's dangerous for the staff. Here's the Starbucks CEO, Howard Schultz, explaining why these locations are closing and more are going to close. I don't have to spend too much time on what's going on in the country and how America has become unsafe. Uh, but you all read the press release of the last couple of days about the fact that we are beginning to close stores that are not unprofitable. But we're closing stores as a result of the co-creation sessions that we've had almost 60 now, 25 in the SSC and the rest in the field. And we had one yesterday in San Antonio. But in all of those sessions, uh, it has shocked me that one of the primary concerns that our retail partners have is their own personal safety. And then we heard the stories that go along with it about what happens in our bathrooms. The issue of mental illness, the issues of homelessness, and the issues of crime. And Starbucks is a window into America. We have stores in every community, and we are facing things in which the stores were not built for. Yeah. Thanks, Democrats. Ruining Starbucks now, too. We'll have more on the attack on Congressman Lee Zeldin with Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman coming up. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. 
We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Following the assault on New York gubernatorial candidate Congressman Lee Zeldin, the left is oddly silent about dangerous rhetoric they usually blame for these types of incidents. For example, Zeldin's opponent, Governor Kathy Hochul, recently tweeted, Meet Lee Zeldin, the far-right extremist that the Republicans just nominated for governor. Despite what he might try to sell you, the facts speak for themselves. He is dangerous for New York. In addition, Hochul sent out an email to supporters yesterday notifying them of Zeldin's public schedule. Hmm. The email read in part, Big Lie Lee kicks off statewide MAGA Republican bus tour, joined by far-right extremists Rolex Rob Astorino and Trump's Chick-fil-A runner Andrew Giuliani. Wow. Sounds pretty inflammatory to me. For more on this, let's talk to Bruce Blakeman. He's the county executive for Nassau County out in Long Island, New York. Thanks so much for being with us, Bruce. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. So look, do you, do you think that some of the hocal rhetoric tied to the schedule of the opponent here, Lee Zeldin, you think it goes too far to cross the line? I think it was irresponsible. I think it was disgraceful. Uh, basically, she was putting up a roadmap of all the places that Lee Zeldin was appearing, campaign stops with his supporters, and getting people to stalk him. And of course, by doing that, if someone has a propensity for violence, that's the kind of thing that can set them off. It's almost like uh, what Joe Biden is doing in Washington, D.C., by not saying anything against those people that are protesting in front of the home, not the office, the home of Supreme Court justices. So Hochul tweeted this after the attack. My team has informed me about the incident at Lee Zeldin's campaign event tonight. Relieved to hear that Congressman Zeldin was not injured, that the suspect is in custody. I condemn this violent behavior in the strongest possible terms. It has no place in New York. I mean, I, I guess this is the right statement from Hochul, but do you think there'll be any change in the way that her campaign tries to portray Lee, uh, Congressman Zeldin, as reckless and dangerous? I've known Lee Zeldin for about 20 years. Uh, we're in neighboring counties. I'm the county executive, about 1.4 million people. He's in the next county over, roughly the same size in Suffolk County. He's a great public official. He's done a great job in Congress. He was a state center of distinction. He's a war veteran. He's a patriot, and he's a gentleman. If anybody is acting improperly, it's Governor Hochul by getting her supporters to stalk Lee Zeldin and putting on social media basically inflammatory language, I think is disgraceful. And it shows that she can't win on the issues. Zeldin has the issues and the people are behind Zeldin. So I think that it's absolutely disgraceful. And I think that she owes Lee Zeldin more than an apology. She should put a state police detail on his campaign to protect him. So then there's just the, the incident itself, which I, I wanted to ask you about, because, Bruce, it sends quite a message to a, a lot of folks. And I think it goes to the heart of one of the primary issues of the campaign in New York. And it's an issue that's playing out across the country about our criminal justice system. I mean, how can they justify releasing a guy right away who just attacked a candidate for governor, a, a sitting congressman, 
He got out and released on his own recognizance after a couple of hours, from what I understand. There is no better example of the lawlessness that is taking place in New York because of Governor Hochul and the Democrats in the Senate and the Assembly who pass laws that give criminals more rights than the victims. And in this case, the attack was with a weapon against a sitting United States congressman who is running for the highest office in New York State. And after the attack, the judge could not hold that defendant on bail. They've taken away discretion from the judges. Our cops are doing a great job. They're solving crimes. They're arresting people. But this turnstile justice, this revolving door of criminality that has been foisted upon the people of New York State by Governor Hochul and her Confederates in the Democratic Party is a disgrace. And I think that basically that's why Lee Zeldin's going to win, because people have had enough in New York State. Jen, just, you know, getting into the, the differences in the campaigns and the parties right now, uh, the, the bail reform law in New York, the New York State legislature passed, got a lot of negative attention, I, I would argue, obviously, rightly so, since it passed. Uh, is Hochul still in support of this, or are we seeing her in an effort to try to save the job she inherited because Cuomo was you know, grabbing female subordinates too much? Uh, is she actually now also in favor of reforming the bail reform law? Absolutely not. She's doubling down. And we have a district attorney in, in, in a county that's about 17 miles from my county in Manhattan, who is not enforcing the law. And as governor, she has the right to remove that district attorney. We had an attack on a bodega owner just the other day. And that bodega owner was trying to protect himself from a criminal. And that criminal was attacking him with a knife. And luckily, that bodega owner stabbed that criminal. And now the district attorney is not charging the criminal. He's charging the bodega owner who was trying to defend himself. Governor Hochul could remove that district attorney. He has refused to enforce the law in New York City. Well, he finally dropped, right? I mean, he dropped the murder charge after all the outcry from people like you and me saying, what the heck are you doing? It was clear self-defense. It was on video. It wasn't even like it was just an eyewitness testimony situation. They could watch the video. So after wrongfully charging murder, to your point, now that that DA, but Bragg, the district attorney in New York, is a, is a nightmare. Everybody's known that from the very beginning when he came in effectively saying he wasn't going to enforce the law in a whole range of, of uh, contexts, wasn't going to be actually pro prosecuting people. I, I want to ask you as well why we got you, because obviously you got your finger on the pulse of the people of Long Island, huge, uh, hugely important for the upcoming uh, gubernatorial race. Can Lee win? Can Congressman Zeldin win the governor's mansion against Hochul in the state of New York, even though they've got a big Democrat registration advantage? Uh, he's going to win because I have talked with Democrats who are moderates who've told me that this year they are not voting Democrat. I think that there will be a, a real reduction in the number of Democrats that come out to vote. They may not vote for Zeldin, but they're not coming out to vote. I think that the independent voters are going to go two to one in Lee's favor. And I think the Republicans are energized and they're going to come out. So if Lee wins big in the suburbs, and I predict he will, he will win big in the rural counties, 
and that will overcome New York City. And I think he only has to get about 20% of the vote in New York City, and he can still win. So I believe Lee Zeldin will be the next governor. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that happens. Bruce, appreciate you being with us. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Bob. In what has become a familiar pattern since President Biden took office, the White House was forced to go into cleanup mode after he announced that he had cancer. Hmm? As part of the mess we've come to expect from this administration. We'll have more on that with the CEO of Getter, Jason Miller, when we come back. Right now, let me talk to you about a great deal for my friends at My Patriot Supply. If you needed more proof that we're going to have massive food shortages in the very near future, here it is. Many American farmers have announced they don't have enough fertilizer because of global supply chain breakdowns. As everybody knows, without fertilizer, you can't grow food. You can expect to see prolonged food shortages and sky-high prices for the next year, at least. What can you do to avoid this nightmare and protect your family? It's easy. Just visit preparewithbuck.com. At preparewithbuck.com, you'll find a special offer. Get $150 off a three-month supply of long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Don't skimp. Get one kit for each person in your family. Each My Patriot Supply kit has enough food for three solid months per person, providing more than 2,000 calories a day to keep your energy up. Go to preparewithbuck.com today. Save $150 on each three-month kit you require. More food shortages are coming. Go to preparewithbuck.com. That's preparewithbuck.com. Jason Miller stops by when we come back. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time, Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. President Biden seemed to make an impromptu health announcement earlier this week. During his speech on how his administration planned to take on climate change, Biden casually told the audience that he had cancer and the White House immediately went into damage control. Not long after the speech wrapped up, administration officials said that 79-year-old Biden was referring to past treatments of his cancer and that he wasn't trying to reference cancer in the present tense, okay? It's not the first time, obviously, that the president's mental health and awareness of the words coming out of his mouth became an issue of public debate and concern. It's definitely not going to be the last either. So what does this White House do at this point? What is coming here? Let's ask former senior advisor to President Trump and the CEO of social media site Getter, Jason Miller, uh, platform, I should say, CEO of Getter, Jason Miller. Jason, thanks so much. Buck, so good to be back with you. At this point, I guess you just run for the hills. You put in your resignation. You go to MSNBC on your hands and knees begging that they will hire you, maybe the Center for American Progress. But Joe Biden, whether it's declaring himself with cancer and then actually getting COVID and then doing a photo shoot with no mask and infecting uh, potentially the cameraman, then doing a photo shoot with the mask, it's a disaster. Yeah, I, I you know, you, you were... Right there in it, with it, uh, when it came to Donald Trump. So you know what it is to be in the middle of, of the fight for a, for a White House. But, you know, there was never a time when on the right, we were saying, uh, I don't think Trump can fight anymore. Or I don't think Trump can speak anymore. I mean, when, when you're looking at the, at the Democrats around Joe Biden right now, whether it's Green Jean-Pierre as the White House press secretary or uh, some of the other top advisors, Ron Klain, who some say is essentially the stealth president, it, it feels like they're out of talking points. And I just, I, I've never seen this before, right? Like I disagreed with the Obama administration 
but they were never out of talking points. No, and at this point, really, it's the the crazies here running Arkham Asylum, uh, except, and sadly, it's not uh, something out of the Batman comic books. It's something at 1600 Pennsylvania. Only the crazy people are left in this White House. And I think the reason, Buck, why you're not seeing a broader outcry, whether it be the mainstream media, whether it be from other Democrats, is because the Democrat establishment has already decided that they will move on from Joe Biden in 2024. We've seen David Axelrod, Robert Reich, a number of other folks step forward and say Biden is just too old. I think the handwriting is on the wall here, and they want to let him go peacefully, and they're trying to distract away from Biden's fumbles by pointing at Donald Trump. Well established, according to the President Biden 2021 health summary, the President Biden did spend a good deal of time in the sun in his youth. This goes back to his kind of cancer <laughs> announcement he made. He had several localized non-melanoma skin cancers removed with, uh, with MOHS surgery, Mohs surgery. I've never, I don't know what that is, um, before he started his presidency. So, I mean, look, I know they're trying to do damage control here, but Biden claiming that he had some uh, pretty minor, I mean, non-melanoma means it's, you know, I know plenty of people that have non-melanomas. Melanoma is the scary skin cancer. Uh, having some precancerous moles removed from your back has nothing to do with claiming you got cancer from all the oil wells of your youth in Pennsylvania, right? Or am I missing something? Yeah, you're exactly right. One of the first rules of politics and damage control is when you're in a hole, quit digging. I mean, look, we know Joe Biden spent a lot of time in the sun in his younger days because he told us about being at the pool where the blonde hairs on his legs would come up and the kids would stroke them and make them flat. This is weirdo stuff. Go to YouTube. It's there. Joe, Joe Biden and Corn Pop and all the bad dudes from Wilmington back in the day. It is some crazy stuff. But here's the thing. This is about American security at this point. When you have a Vladimir Putin who sees this, we have a Xi Jinping who sees this, they immediately go into the mode of how are we going to take advantage of the United States because they do not have somebody sane and with their full capabilities at the, uh, at the wheel. And this is a real concern for America and the rest of the world. So there are numerous times that anyone can point to where the Biden word salad situation has required quite a cleanup. And sometimes I think it's just a matter of dishonesty and not even scrambled eggs up top. Here he is last September telling Jewish leaders that he remembered spending time at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Watch this. I remember spending time at, the, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue, speaking with them. It just, it just is amazing these things are happening, happening in America. So the synagogue actually clarified when asked about this, he never visited. The White House later said he was thinking about a phone call in 2019, but, you know, his faux folksy thing shouldn't be a license to lie, but they got to do cleanup on Al Biden a lot, Jason. They do. And the other scary thing, Buck, is that it's not as though there's a good alternative should Joe Biden decide, well, I'm not going to go out there anymore or I'm just going to go ahead and resign from office. Kamala Harris could potentially be even worse. That is a very scary thought. She could actually be worse in this role. And so I think at this point, boy, uh, Democrats are in a bad shape and there's just no easy solution to this because Joe Biden is in the White House, Kamala Harris is the VP, and there's a real crisis in confidence in American leadership, in my opinion. I wanted to switch gears with you for a second. Something else that you know about, which is 
federal investigations that touch on a White House. In the case of the Trump administration, it was the Russia collusion hoax that then led to the, that was the Mueller probe and all of the lies told around that. But there's another federal investigation going on right now under the Biden administration's watch into Hunter Biden. People are saying, uh, reporting that it is reaching a critical stage. Bunch of networks are saying that the federal probe into his tax affairs is reaching a critical stage. Can you see, and I'm going to play this back for my, uh, my buddy and co-host Clay Travis on radio. Can you see a situation where they actually press real federal criminal charges against Hunter Biden even though let's just both assume, I mean, we know that he's broken lots of federal laws, plenty of them. But do you think they'll actually bring criminal charges? I think there's a good chance, but Buck, what I'm really concerned about is they're not going to be the right charges. I could see them opening up with some small tax issue or maybe even going back to that firearm acquisition issue. But the real issue here, in my opinion, are the foreign lobbying contracts or the foreign contracts that should have been registered under FARA that weren't. If big tech in the media had not colluded to shut down, I'll talk about the Hunter Biden laptop in 2020, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. These are the ramifications of big tech censorship. And so, yes, do I want to see Hunter Biden held accountable for his mistakes? Uh, Absolutely. But the concern is that what advantages have folks, whether it be in Ukraine, whether it be in China, that's only the tip of the iceberg that we know about. What about all the other countries where Hunter or Frank or James, other Biden family members had foreign business dealings? That's really a concern. But I'll tell you, Buck, the reason why I think we could actually see something, because I do think the Democrats have moved on from Joe Biden, and they might use this as part of the excuse to move Joe Biden out. Always appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. Yet another primetime January 6th hearing in the books. When we come back, correspondent for the Federalist, Tristan Justice, is going to analyze what actually happened. Right now, let's talk about the newest sponsor here at Hold the Line, Jace Medical. I mean, look at the current nationwide shortage of infant formula and ask yourself, what's next? Did you know that nearly 100% of our nation's supply of antibiotics is produced outside the United States, mainly in China and India? If we can't control our own domestically produced baby formula, what about all the life-saving medications produced overseas? Many experts predict that if there were a supply chain disruption in the pharmaceutical industry, pharmacies could run out of antibiotics in a matter of weeks. Thankfully, there's a new service to help you prepare for such an event. Jace case. Check this out, okay? It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics you can use to treat a long list of illnesses. Every household needs at least one Jace case. Go to jacemedical.com buck right now. Use the code buck10 for $10 off your Jace case. That's code word buck10 for $10 off at jacemedical.com buck. jacemedical.com buck. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. one disappointment, and that is the gutless members of that show trial committee, the J6 committee, didn't have the guts to come down here and testify in open court. Steve Bannon remains defiant after being convicted today of contempt charges for defying a congressional subpoena from the House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Joining me now to discuss Western correspondent at the Federalist, Tristan Justice, talking about justice. Tristan, thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, first, because there hasn't been that much attention on this issue unless somebody has been glued to CNN for, you know, the last six months, which this audience is not. So just tell everybody, how do we even get here? Like, why is Steve Bannon even in criminal jeopardy and obviously today, at least for now, convicted of a criminal offense? What happened? 
Well, I think it's pretty clear who the target of the January 6th committee have been all along, and that is uh, former President Donald Trump, of course, and every other member of the administration. And so it's not a surprise that there is fine, there's been a conviction of someone, of a prime target of the committee. And of course, Steve Bannon has always been a target of, among Democrats. So Steve Bannon is actually one of four members of the Trump administration who have been held in contempt of Congress, him, Mark Meadows, and, and, and two others. Uh, but he's actually the first to be convicted of, uh, you know, of contempt of Congress for refusing to come and sit down for a deposition and testify before the committee. And, and so that conviction just came out today. And I expect the committee is going to be pursuing convictions down the line. And do we have any sense of, of how much jail time he could get here for this? I mean, I, I had my team on radio look into this and they said the last time somebody was convicted of lying to Congress, I think it was 1983. And that person got six months in jail. Do we know what what Theoretically, Steve Bannon could be facing here. I believe it's it's up to one to two years, but contempt of Congress. Congress has not been treating these charges seriously for decades now. I mean, we remember when Eric Holder was held in contempt and yet faced uh, no type of conviction on this. And so this is just a charge Congress doesn't treat uh, seriously. And so uh, just, so these charges are exceedingly rare. And so I expect Bannon will face a, a year or two in prison. Here's Liz Cheney, by the way, speaking of the January 6th, committee. She's saying that the evidence they have against Trump for the next hearing includes attempting to have Mike Pence refuse the count of the electoral votes. Watch this one. The select committee will examine President Trump's relentless effort on January 6th and in the days beforehand to pressure Vice President Pence to refuse to count lawful electoral votes. As a federal judge has indicated, this likely violated two federal criminal statutes. President Trump had no factual basis for what he was doing and he had been told it was illegal. Despite this, President Trump plotted with a lawyer named John Eastman and others to overturn the outcome of the election on January 6th. You tweeted out on the January 6th committee here, J6 committee playing up Trump's desire to go to the Capitol as some grand revelation. The president himself declared his intent to do so during his White House speech. Yeah, that's, I, I don't even, I'll be honest, I watched pretty much all of the first one or two of the J6 hearings. I didn't even watch last night because I'm like, if there's something new, they'll tell us. Trump, go, Trump has, there's nothing new that I've seen. Am I missing something? Well, there's been an interesting contradiction here with the January 6th committee and how they've presented uh, what Trump's actions were throughout all these different hearings. They spent the first several hearings trying to paint this president as an active insurrectionist who is doing everything he could to overthrow the U.S. government, even violently hijacked the presidential limousine to drive himself to the Capitol and topple the U.S. government. Um, and yet last night's hearing was all about a president who was supposedly governing in absence, who did nothing but sit down and watch TV for three hours. They kept playing that, that number, 187 minutes, 187 minutes. They got it in headlines all across the New York Times and the Associated Press. Uh, however, Trump actually, in reality, sent a series of tweets telling protesters to be peaceful. And actually, he from, he published a video that was suppressed on Twitter telling rioters to go home. And so there's a, a contradiction in the narrative here that the January 6th painted an active insurrectionist president in the first few hearings and then a president in absence in last night's hearing. Uh, but again, they keep playing up this desire to go to the Capitol, some grand revelation that Trump was uh, hell-bent on going to the Capitol. Uh, but that was something that Trump expressly stated in his speech at the White House. He said he wanted to go to the Capitol and that he was going to join all of his supporters. And so this is just another made-up bombshell that the committee has just fabricated out of thin air. During the committee hearing, by the way, and a lot was made of this by the libs on Twitter and different social media platforms, 
During the hearing, Representative Elaine Luria shared this video of Senator Josh Hawley, uh, they, they, they say, running from the Capitol after he was accused by a police officer of encouraging the attack. Watch this. Senator Hawley's jester riled up the crowd, and it bothered her greatly because he was doing it in a safe space, protected by the officers and the barriers. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled after those protesters he helped to rile up stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. I mean, he <laughs> left the building with all the other members of Congress who were there. Right, and I, I published a column on this today. Uh, this th that was a really interesting uh, moment in the hearing because it highlighted several things. One, it highlighted that the committee is now pivoting who it directs its smears to. It's not just Donald Trump and the members of the administration that it's been going after. Now they're going to go after any potential Republican rival who's uh, a potential contender for the White House. And so I thought it was interesting that the committee is now pivoting towards an attack on Josh Hawley. But it also revealed how unserious this committee is about actually probing the Capitol security failures. Uh, I, I don't really see what uh, a single out one Republican senator fleeing the Capitol has to do with the, the, the series of Capitol security failures uh, facing the Capitol Police. You know, why they were half-staffed that day, why they were so ill-trained, why they were ill-equipped to deal with the mass demonstrations that happening at the Capitol that day. Uh, and yet this committee seems so unfocused on probing the legitimate security failures that they, that now that they're actually going after individual members of Congress for doing what every single member of Congress was to do that day, which was evacuate or hunker down. Here's an Adam Kinzinger statement. I think he's still allegedly a Republican on Donald Trump's part on January 6th. This is what it, this is what it actually looks like. Uh, guys, put it up on the screen. Um, whatever your politics, whatever you think about the outcome of the election, we as Americans must all agree on this. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. Can I just ask, I mean, Tristan, do, do they want them to bring federal charges? Because I, I would just, at this point, I just wanted to be like, put up or shut up, guys. Like, I'm really sick of all the whining and the, oh, our sacred democracy. Well, this is the Democrats' latest hoax. I mean, after the Russiagate hoax failed, uh, after Ukraine failed, after their first impeachment over this very issue failed, now they're, they've come up with this grand conspiracy that Donald Trump was was orchestrating this dark insurrection on January 6th to take over the U.S. government and execute a government coup. Uh, when in reality, the president, what happened was the president gave a speech at the White House, told his protesters there to protest peacefully, and then he went back and, and he started telling protesters to remain peaceful 15 minutes after uh, leaving the stage. Um, he, he tweeted to, to stay peaceful multiple times that day. He instructed rioters to go home after uh, things had, had, had turned into turmoil in the Capitol. And so Democrats have conducted this wild conspiracy, complete with you know summer show trial hearings, eight of them, two hours each. And then they're going to come out with season two in September to amplify this grand conspiracy that's going to energize their base. And, and I don't know who they're trying to convince here, uh, but this is the, really the last ditch attempt to try to smear Republicans as extremists complicit in the violence after spending a year just defying violence themselves. And of course, while Americans are coping with uh, more serious issues that are actually affecting themselves as opposed to a, a three-hour riot that happened 18 months ago. Tristan, good work on this. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you for having me. Disney reminds us that they are, in fact, the wokest place on earth now. We'll tell you about it in Quick Hits up next.
Disney once again appeases the progressive left and a climate alarmist demonizes farming, saying milk, meat, and eggs are indulgences we just cannot afford. Oh yes, it is time for all this in quick hits. Let's get to this. Um, Disney is supposed to be the most American of all American companies, right? I grew up watching Disney cartoons as a kid. People go to Disney as a family. It brings us all together. It's about fantasy and wonderment and excitement and it's beautiful and it's fun and, oh, it's now left-wing and crazy? Oh, okay, I'm glad we've established that. That's good to know. Uh, Disney has now appeased yet again the left. Let's keep in mind, recently there was that video leaked of the Disney head of creative content saying, we need more pansexual, she actually said this, we need more pansexual cartoon characters for our kids. Oh. To which every normal adult in America was like, pansexual, what? Um, but this is the kind of thinking at the very top executive level of the creatives at Disney that goes on. So you know they're left wing, you know they have these biases. Disney decided to appease the left again. This time they have replaced the title of fairy godmothers for gender neutral apprentices at dress up boutiques and at its US theme parks in an effort to be inclusive. Cast members at Disney parks who helped children transform into their favorite Disney characters with makeup and costumes were previously called fairy godmothers in training. Now they are called fairy godmothers apprentices. Wait, no, no, now they're just called fairy. Wait, don't they have to be just called fairy apprentices? Yeah. It can't be, because if they're saying get rid of Godmother, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, we're, we're figuring this out too, folks. None of it makes any sense. Unless you're a leftist who wants to destroy the culture and the things that bind us together and that make America America, in which case anything you do to destroy and confuse is good. Which kind of explains a lot, doesn't it? Climate alarmists are among the most annoying people on the planet. It's just a fact. We all know it. You know, they're all telling you, hey... No more AC in the summertime because of all the CO2 that the AC creates. So you should just sweat through your clothing and eat some bugs. Yeah. Fry up some grasshoppers and cockroaches. Sounds great. To save the climate. Well, here's a climate alarmist who's telling you, speaking of eating bugs, you can't be eating milk and eggs and meat. That is not allowed anymore because it's going to destroy the planet. Watch this one. Are you saying all animal farming, in, in, in your opinion, really needs to stop? Yes, it does. It really does. Um, it's a bit like leaving fossil fuels in the ground. Unless we do that, we've really got very little chance indeed of preventing this domino effect of system collapse right across Earth okay. systems, which basically makes the planet uninhabitable. So eating meat and milk and eggs is an indulgence we cannot afford. We cannot afford. The indulgence of eating meat and having eggs and milk. Unless we all eat bugs and soy and endless tofu, we're all going to die. These people are nuts. And they're always like, hashtag science. They're crazy. They're crazy. Different story here. A uh, gay woman says if she knew fighting for her rights as a lesbian would lead to the sexualization and indoctrination of children that's going on today, she never would have done it. Watch this. So here it is, the most unpopular opinion I'll ever do. I hope you guys duet and stitch and save or whatever you need to do to this because it's going to get down fast. If I would have understood when I was younger that fighting for my rights as a lesbian 
would mean allowing children to drag shows, attaching child molesters to our community, and allowing children to change their sex before they even know what their favorite color is. I would have never done it. Never. Would have never done it, she says. Interesting. And then there's, uh, actually, we don't have time for this one because that's the end of the show already. That's it for Hold the Line. We got the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.